I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies. From the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords, if it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Welcome back to Fighting on Film this week, everybody. And it's a very, very special episode this week as we celebrate our first anniversary. Can you believe it? Oh, it's been a whole year. It's it's insane. It really is. It's absolutely mad. Almost 50 episodes. Yeah. Like that's that's a huge number. Like I never really tracked how many films I watch. And now mm. I'm very aware of how many films I watch. Yeah. In a good way. In a in a in an excellent way. Yeah. That's my opening a beer. We are going to drink on this episode. Usually we we're dry. You know, we don't we don't drink when we record and stuff just for professionalism. But seeing as it's our first anniversary, we might have a brewski. I, what are you drinking, Matt? I'm drinking a Jaipur IPA. Oh, lovely. Yeah, they are. Yes. They're Matt's brew of choice. I've they got are. Conway Brewery Welsh Pride Bitter. Um. So yeah, our first. I mean, our first episode, Matt, was theirs is the glory, and it came out on the twenty uh, fourth of October, twenty twenty. If you can believe that. It's just flown by. It really has. We just want to thank everyone for following us and listening. And it's been a whirlwind for like 12 months. And we're just absolutely, we're overjoyed. We can't believe the support and love and just. It's it's know. a real thrill to see people enjoy films along with you. Yeah, really exactly. Like that part of it. It's just great. You know, and it's, it's so good to see that a genre that you've loved for absolutely years of your life is still, obviously, you know, there's, there's love for the war movie out there. We know that, but you know, I didn't expect people to just take two <laughs> younger people seriously as they do every week. It's it's insane. It's great. I mean, look at how many questions we've gotten for this for this oh, AMA yeah. show. I mean, the response was fantastic. Some really really good ones. So last week on the show, we we announced we were going to do the the AMA, and then we put out on our Twitter and our Patreon and our Facebooks Facebook accounts like we were going to do it. We asked some questions, and you guys just. 
They came pouring in, didn't they? They did. I think we did three tweets and every every tweet got like a yeah. half a dozen great questions. So we've compiled them into a big list. Sorry if we've missed anyone, but we'll try and get for as many as we can. And I think I'll kick us off. So we asked our patrons first. So it'd be our, our Patreon supporters that, that we'll go through first. So Angus McChilly says, how did you guys meet? Well, it was in uh, in the depths of the pandemic when yeah. we were stranded on Plague Island. And um, we still are. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's very true. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I think we, we've been following each other on, on Twitter for a while. Yeah. And, and you messaged me about something about Sten Guns. That um, was it, yeah. I was going on Woody's show and I had to, I wanted that's to make right. you, yeah, you, you Yeah, you were, do, you were doing a show with Woody and you you had to pick like three things that yeah i think no it was about like what gun what, what overrated like kit all right yeah and i said the it. sg44 was overrated and i wanted mm-hmm. to use some facts about the sten gun to sort of do a comparison so i was like i know a man will know about that <laughs> so i messaged matt and then we just got chatting didn't we we, we, just, we, we did grew a friendship out of nothing didn't we really mm. kind of rare that happens i suppose on yeah. social media isn't it really when you think about it but yeah, so we, after, you know, a couple of weeks chain, I think we did um, something with the homebrew lads as well, didn't we? We did uh, we did a watch along of um, A Bridge Too Far. Yes, we did on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. And from that, we we just thought, you know what we should do? We should, I Well, I, 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 I thought, you know, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to do like a, a, a war movie podcast. Yeah, you just what, messaged what, me that point blank, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like 2am or something. I know. It just occurred to me, like, what would be a fun thing to do while we're all stuck with, you know, not being able to to do what we would normally be doing in our everyday lives? Mm. I had no idea what the the format would be like or whether it would work, and just thought, let's mm-hmm. let's throw it out there and see whether Rob fancies doing it. And th- and yeah. Yeah, thankfully, you like the idea. We just ran with it, didn't we? Yeah. We never fathomed it would get this far, but we're so pleased that it has. And then we, when we met in real life was the, for the first time was um, my birthday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was really nice. And then obviously, since then we've we did Warfest together and stuff. We're planning mm-hmm. for related things and stuff like that. So we just hope that can come off. Um, but yeah, that's that's the nutshell of how we met. So, second question is from Mary Buckman. If you had to choose, what would you prioritize: historical accuracy or good narrative storytelling and characterization? Oh, that's a good question. The toughie, isn't it? That? If you had to choose between historical accuracy and good narrative storytelling and characterization, I suppose it differs because if you're doing a story, or sorry, a film that is based on a true story or actual historical event, mm. then I think historical accuracy is much more important. Um, but if you're doing, uh, you know, a, a, a human story set during war, um, then yeah, good good narrative and and. And storytelling and characterization is super important. I mean, look at look at um, Kelly's Heroes. They that yeah. is a film that nails that side of things. But if you're if you're covering like a, an event like Dunkirk or you know uh, D Day or something like that, then you've got to get the basic things right. It's, yeah. it, it follows on from what we were saying recently about uh, the Forgotten Battle. That was a film that was based on a you know an actual event. So you have to sort of treat that event in a way that conveys it fairly accurately, to my yeah. mind. I prefer that in a film. I don't mind liberties for filmmaking purposes being taken and that sort of thing, but I do think it's important to have 
you know, at least a little bit of historical accuracy in there. Yeah. No, I think I'm with you there, Matt. You know, historical accuracy is fantastic. And we, we often get asked this one. It's really important. I think it it does just boil down to what kind of movie you're making. You know, if you're going to make it, as Matt said, if you're going to make a movie about D-Day, make sure you get everything about D-Day that you can correct. But if you're going to make a madcap adventure film like Kelly's Heroes set in the war, then you can take liberties because yeah. I know as a viewer that your movie isn't going to be as pat serious. I'd like both. <laughs> Yeah, that, ideally, if I can. <laughs> ideally, I'd love both. Yeah, if you're going to tell a story well, then you want good narrative and storytelling mm. and characterization, don't you? But yeah, that's a tricky one, and there's there's two ends of that spectrum, definitely. So Dave Cohen asked, "Do you have day jobs? How did you get into firearms, Matt? And is Bullshot ever going to be on the pod?" So, do you have day jobs, Rob? I'm a carer, full time carer for my 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 wife. Um, in, in outside of the podcast but that doesn't that's not as um it sounds like you know she needs round the clock care but it, she has some medical conditions that just make it hard for her to get around some days mm. and things like that so I'm I'm on hand and then I you know recently we recently had a baby so I'm looking after him so I like full-time dad full-time carer sort of thing so that's my mm-hmm. my day job and obviously you know I, I run help run the the Fortnite film twitter and do the editing and and uh, my own youtube channel as well so yeah, would you, would you do a lot of the, the sort of the, the the editing of the of the pod, don't you, and, mm. and a lot of the production side? Um, so that that's kind of like that's a lot of work, really, isn't it? Mm. When you think about yeah, it, yeah, it does take up time. Whenever I'm not, it's some hours editing, isn't it? So that's it. Yeah, it's like whenever I'm not looking after my little one or or you know helping Katie with things, and I'm pretty much doing pod stuff. Well, as for me, um, my day job is I'm well, I have two, so I split it between. Um, being a historian and doing uh, research, um, working on articles and books, and and my side project, the Armourers Bench, um, and then my other my other day job is I'm a uh, defence editor for a couple of North American uh, defence news websites. Um, so I I basically uh, write and edit a lot of articles about what's going on right now, uh, sort of sort of thing militarily. Not not an everyday job, but it's kind of interesting. Matt saw Matt saw historical weight on the show. He's the one I always go to when um he's because he's the reason that we have the alley tally, just because it's his expertise. Maybe we can talk a bit about the alley tally and where that came from and what it is. Because yeah. people often ask us like, what is what is alley? And so alley's like a, a slang term for like a bit of yeah. kit that you're that's cool. Like bit, that's cool. It's not like issue. Bit, not issue kit, yeah. So and then it's worn in a cool way. Yeah, and then we bast- used the bastardised version of that slang term. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's Ali. That's Ali, in it? Like, sort of off shoot of cool. It's, yeah, it's just whatever in the film is is cool to us mm. and what we think is interesting. Um, but yeah, we have a whole blog. We have a whole blog on that at fightingonfilm.com. Yeah, we do, actually. Just yeah. to explain and answer that question, yeah. because we do get asked it quite a bit, and we should really explain it every episode, but we, we should. We've, we're a bit lax there, aren't we? Um, Bullshot. Is that going to be all shot? Probably at some point, I guess. So if we cover bagels, then Bullshot's going to get covered. They were made around the same time, I think. Yeah, I think I think it's like late eighties bagels. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so I th- I think so. I think one day. Yeah, any film, any film that is war related can could probably get that's on. The, that's the beauty of the beauty final show. film, isn't it? Yeah, it's... and then we can wangle the <laughs> the term of the the, the definition <laughs> of, the, of the feature just to get a film on. Um, we did it with Commando, didn't we? Um, we did. <laughs> so the next question. 
So Thomas McCall asks, if you could star in any already made war film, either as an extra or a main actor, what one would it be and why? There's a couple of things there. Would you want to be in a film that covers a really interesting event or would you want to be in a film with a really cool cast because you get to hang yeah. out with the cast? You know, would you want to be in the Dirty Dozen to like chat with Sutherland and, and Bronson and and Lee Marvin and stuff? Or would you want to be in A Bridge Too Far to uh, sit in a scout car with Michael Caine? Mm. Or would you want to or would you want to be in Paratrooper to push um Stanley Baker out of there? Baker out of that <laughs> Wellington <laughs> or wherever it was. Uh, no, I think I'd actually want to be in um Kelly's Heroes. Okay. I'd like to to be one of the um like one of the tank crew extras or something. Yeah. I think that'd be I, fun. Yeah, that would I mean it would be. It looked like a fun movie yeah. to work on. Because the production, you know, you've got Don Rickles like making everyone crack up behind the scenes, you know. I think that'd be a good romp. Of course it would. you got mm. uh, Sabalas and Clint Eastwood, you know. Yeah, exactly. I assume everyone would be just quite good to, ch- to chat to. Yeah. And American I mean, Kit's comfy as well, so that would yeah, be Yeah, that's bonus. true. I, I mean, after our APA episode with uh, Sebastian and the lads, I think I wouldn't mind, of, you know, being a member of the APA and uh, do, doing all the Market Garden stuff in uh, Bridge Too Far. That'd be great. Yeah, that would have been good. Nick Lahiri uh, asks, uh, what is your favourite film ever and why? Like, that's not a hard question, Nick. My favourite film ever would probably be something like uh, Big Lebowski. Yeah. Maybe Fargo. I mm, quite like okay. Coen Brothers films. I quite yeah, like that yeah. sort of dark humour, like madcap sort of adventure. I quite like that. Mm. I, it's such a hard question. I, yeah, I immediately thought of a few you know, classics like The Ipcrest File with Kane. Love that film. So beautifully shot, really interesting. You know, it's Len Dane's book. Jackie Brown, I uh, really like Jackie Brown, the Tarantino movie. Wayne's World is just a classic comedy. I just really love that film. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, that's a tricky one. And I think it changes like day to day. Yeah, it does. And there's, yeah. There'll be dozens that I've forgotten about because I have a terrible memory. Because if it had been me like 10 years ago, I'd have said Leon. But, yeah, yeah. That's a great know, movie. Heat, not now. Heat's a great movie in that yeah, vein. Heat, yeah. Fifth Element, I quite enjoy. Quite like that one. There's, there's movies that we've covered like Commando, Guilty Pleasure. Yeah. Uh, Last of the Mohicans, beautiful film. Um, yeah. I like Breakfast Club as well. Oh, yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Paul Hicks, our resident uh, model sculptor. Um, his work is absolutely fantastic. If you've not seen it on Twitter, um, check it out. Uh, he says, what's your favourite non-historical war film? With a follow-up question, what snacks are you eating while watching? Non-historical. Yeah, so I, I would say Aliens, because that is a war movie. You know, that is a, that's a non film without Vietnam in it basically um for me yeah um and then my my snack would be is it cool original doritos oh yeah bag not, of them. not, not tangy cheese no no I'm a, I'm a cool original guy okay um for me a non-historical war film it's got to be starship troopers i think nice starship troopers is is just sort of such an interesting film on its own um with the yeah, source material that. that comes from yeah it's going to be a good one with the source material that comes from and and the way it's sort of approaches the source material and the reaction it got and everyone takes it at face value mm. uh, it's just a really interesting one and i think snack wise there's these really great i think kettle chip rosemary flavor crisps which Ooh. are like they're the, the peak really <laughs> that's very it might be all very bougie about your snack I, so that's, that's like, a that was a bougie snack it's got one be said, pound dorito bag that, <laughs> that or some um let's get my kettle chips in some <laughs> that or some um sour cream pringles I, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Yeah. 
next question, Matthew. Right. So the next question into the ones from Twitter. Neil Rodder asks, if Hanks and Spielberg gave you the choice to pick the next 10 part series after Masters of the Air, what would it be? I would use one of my own family's histories um, to base it on, but I would do a series. So you get that sweet sweet writers producer yeah of course yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah of course i would yeah so i would do it about the brit the british um army uh, would be my force that i'd set it in and mm-hmm. i'd do it from january to may 1945 and it would be from uh, operation black hawk in the ruhr going up to operation varsity and the sweep through to hamburg with the um seventh guards armored division that's a good choice seventh armored sorry based on your your granddad's uh diary yeah. Based on his diary, because I think you've, there's enough in there to uh, to do some really great set piece episodes. Love to throw some money at that. Well, Spielberg and Hanks have got that money. Mm. Um, so yeah, Good listening chaps. Exactly. For me, I, if I was going to go for like a that, that personal side of things, my granddad was um, a POW uh, on the Burma Railway. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and I I always thought that you know doing a show following his you know joining. Um, joining up you know in, in preston and ended up in in uh in singapore and you know the fighting around singapore the mm. he he actually got onto a boat but it was it was bombed and sank wow um yeah so he he, he ended up being captured uh, by all accounts we just don't know enough about his story you know un- sadly we don't have a you know a diary i interviewed him um when i was about 15 i think for for a project and we have a little bit of detail but he never really liked speaking about it so we, we don't know the full extent but i think that that side of the war is something that really you know would could deserve i mean there have been series in the past that have touched on it um i think the bbc did a in, in the 80s did like a, a women's internment camp in in burma tenko tenko yeah that's it thank you can't remember the name um did a did a show based on that but you know like a really serious Mm. deep dive big budget look at the the railway and and uh and and changi and that kind of thing will be will be will be special but i mean something throwing it throwing it back to um the pitch perfect episode we did about six months ago now we had loads of great suggestions from from listeners about potential um mini series ideas that were great you know diep and all sorts of really interesting stuff that actually segues brilliantly into our next question Dean Barden asks, what's the story you would like to see made into a film? Uh, the Gloucesters. I mean, the Gloucesters at Imogen would be a, film, a war movie I would love to see. That would be fantastic, yeah. That would be quite something. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I wrote down here, and I think I might have mentioned it on the Pitch Perfect, but the story of the American Rangers at the Ep. Lester J. Bandito uh, on Twitter uh, asked a very good question, which I think would make a great show all on its own, actually. Yeah, I think we're going to spin this one off, aren't we, eventually? yeah. People had lots of good suggestions as well. Who is the greatest on-screen sergeant? My money is on this guy, but there's a lot to choose from. And of course, this guy is um, Sergeant Call Sergeant Bourne in Zulu, yeah. which is a fantastic choice. Presenting his Martini Henry, wasn't it? There was the picture, and yeah. then that that got picked up by everyone. And they sort of like tweeting their favourites. Um, for me, I mean, I might split the room, but I really like Tom Sizemore as Sergeant Horvath. Really? I, I, yeah, I mean, I just like his chemistry with, with Tom Hanks in the movie. I think it was mm. great casting. He has some great lines, you know, where he's like, you know, I thought you were my mother, you know, when, when he throws his helmet at the guy at the end. I, 
I just like his character. Yeah. I think it was the first sort of character, like person I'd seen on screen who, because I think when I first saw Saving Private Ryan, I hadn't seen uh, Full Metal Jacket. So it was the first like non-butch like representation of a soldier that I'd ever seen in a film. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's like a heavy set-ish guy. Like, you know, he wasn't like peak physical fitness sort of geek sort of guy. When I look back at that movie, that says a lot more about people that in war than it than I thought it did. Because obviously he's... I know what you mean, yeah. You know, he, he's someone who's joined up, who's not maybe in great physical shape, but he's still needed. Mm-hmm. And I like how that's everyone of every walk of life was involved in the Second World War. And I like, even if that's not meant to be a thing, I like that how it shows that. And that's, I think, another reason I like Horvath. What about you, Matt? Oh, there's so many because it's that classic NCO trope, isn't mm. it? And it's in every war movie, whether it be a British war movie, American war movie, or you know, foreign language, non-English speak, speaking uh, war movies. Yeah, you've got everyone from like Sergeant Steiner and Cross of Iron to yeah. uh, Arlie Ermey in not only Full Metal Jacket, but also like um, Siege of Firebase Glory. He's great, He's in, great that, in that as an NCO. You've got Hartnell in... Um, Wayhead. Well, take t- yeah, take a pick. Wayhead, uh, Yangtze Incident, uh, Carry On Sergeant even. You know, you've got yeah. loads. Um yeah, it's difficult. It's it's tricky to sort of pick one. I think Ali Ermi is going to be my pick, and okay. I think I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be left at you know left field right now, and I'm gonna go for um, his character in in uh, Siege of Fire Base Glory. Fair enough. That's just, it's your it's your answer. It's your AMA. We'll see if when we come back to that and do a show, we'll we'll see whether that's go more in depth. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, 1940 medal campaign asks. He's got a few questions actually. Um, but his first one is, which terrible war movie do you think is ripe for a remake? The Rebels of PT-26. <laughs> yeah, that's whatever, quite a recent one. Whatever the fuck it was Cold. called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just need I just need a, a remake of some great close-ups of bulkheads. <laughs> that's what I need. <laughs> I can't wait to cover that because that, that's an incredible film. Um, yeah, th- that's tricky. That's tricky. I mean, what do you class as a terrible war movie, Rob? I mean, I didn't like Dunkirk 2017, but I wouldn't say it's terrible. Hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe a good Dunkirk remake. Yeah, because the fifty-eight one is—it's not perfection, but it's a damn bloody sight better movie than Dunkirk Seventeen. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably say a good Dunkirk film would be nice. I don't know. It's tricky. It depends on what what you could class as terrible. I mean, you know what? A, a good remake of um, Force Ten from Navarro would be good because that's a that's not a great movie. That would be quite Ooh, cool. No, even. I mean, it's great cast, but it's not a great movie. Even even more in that vein, Battle of the Bulge. Yeah, okay, I'll I'll have you there. Like a big yeah. budget Arden film would be, would be mm-hmm. quite nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. With the right tanks this time. Yeah, right yeah. tanks. <laughs> uh, next question, Matt. Next question. Uh, it's, it's also from uh, 1940 Medal Campaign. Hollywood has given the green light to make the ultimate Men on a Mission movie using characters from all your favourite movies, who would you cast in your squad? Okay, so we have a four-man team. We both pick two. Yeah. And our mission would be to extract prisoners of war from like a, a fort or something. I don't know. Okay, okay. We're going like classic. Yeah. I would go for my first squad character. Mm. I'd have Kelly. Kelly's Heroes is the okay the leader. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I assume if you pick them out of the movie, they're armed with what they're armed with in the movie. That's where I'm going to sort that would, of... That would make sense to me. Yeah. So, okay, Definitely. Kelly Kelly for the uh, the leader. 
Arnie from Commando because he's gonna he's gonna bring ev- you know everything possible. He got the brawn weapon wise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. yeah. Um, he can use any weapon. Any weapon because he's like a video game character and that they just they're all present yeah. Yeah. all of the time, even if they're not in shot. Mm-hmm. My second that I would have um, would be Edward Fox from Force Ten from Navarone. He's right. an explosive. He's an explosive expert, um, and he'd be he'd be super useful. You know, blowing the guard towers and laying some laying some traps as the as as we're, we're getting the prisoners away. I like. I it. think that'd be yeah. That's a good one. I would have Stanley Baker's Corporal Riker from Hell in Korea. Okay, yeah, he's, he's that yeah. hot-headed gung ho, and he's got a Bren. Yeah, you got you got Stanley Baker on the Bren, and you got Arnie on the M60. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd have that. <laughs> I mean, that is obscure, but I'd have that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So there, that's your that's your fighting on film heroes. There, the four four, the four four. Yeah, the four. To quote a really obscure uh, Jack Hawkins series from the sixties, that's your four just men. Oh yeah, just men <laughs> reference. Nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's me with the next question, isn't it? So Nick L asks um, Geordie Finch ninety nine on Twitter. He's got a quick fire round. So he says uh, one best foreign language war film, two best hidden gem war film, three best slash war film. E.g. Yeah, like war film okay. hybrid. Four oldest war film you've seen, and then five oldest war film you want to see, and six war film you'd make if money was no object. Uh, oldest war film uh, you've seen? Well, the oldest war film I've watched recently was um, Mons 1926. That'd be me as well. Yeah. Um, I'd really like to see uh, Ypres 1925 in full. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch all of that when we were doing the show with Andy a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't, I'm not sure there's too many that, that predate that. There's a few sort of uh, silent pictures that would be interesting to cover sort of yeah. pre-war. Um, there's some that cover like Victoria Cross actions in um, the Indian mutiny that were made in like 1909. Mm-hmm. That were really interesting. Um, so that would cover my old, oldest I want to watch. Okay. I I'd go for that what as well. You? Uh, so for, for my best foreign language, I'd have, I liked Svedsta or Ninth Company, um, two Russian war films. One set, the Svedsta is Second World War and Ninth Company is um, Afghan War yeah. um, in the 80s. Uh, my best hidden gem, um, before we covered it, I would have said Head in Korea. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd still go for that. Or Yesterday's Enemy, the Stan Baker. I, I really like that one. Ooh, nice. Slash war film. I'm going to be cheeky. I'm okay. going to say League of Gentlemen with Jack Hawkins. And I know it's not technically a war film, but they're, okay, all, they're all sort of ex-servicemen, aren't they? They're all veterans, and there is a mm. uh, a uh, National Service barracks in there. Yeah, they steal, the, they steal the Stens, don't they, I think? Yeah, they get Sterlings and Stens from there. Yeah. Um, for me, best foreign language war film, uh, I really liked uh, Panafloff's Men. Yeah, that was good. But I but I absolutely love um, Wester Platt Resists. Looking forward to covering that one at some point. Yeah, we do got a guest uh, lined up for that. We have best hidden gem. I would say it happened here. I watched it recently, mm-hmm. and I re- it, that was that's an, uh, a '60s amateur movie about um, what Britain would be like if the Nazis had invaded and, and taken control. That's a really interesting film. Yep. So that would be my my um, hidden gem pick. Best slash. I I think it would be 
uh, Three Kings for a, for a war movie heist movie. It's good keeping it keeping on the classic. I mean, there's not many sort of like slash. There's, there's, no, there's you get not really war it. horror. You get war heist. Mm. Three war comedy, obviously, it is. It's a good movie. It's underrated. That. Yeah, I think that's it. I think I've mm. covered them. And war film you'd make if money was no object. A retreat from Kabul, eighteen forty-seven. That'd be beautiful. That would be beautifully cinematic. But yeah. And then no object. Like doesn't matter if it fails. I'd probably make. I mean. I'm obsessed with it at the moment because I keep making videos about them on my YouTube channel, but I'd make a, I'd make a movie <laughs> about what's the, coming. the Belgian United Nations command and the battle of Hattangmi. I'd make that. Oh my God. I'd, I'd watch the hell out of that. <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Belgian's only Korean war movie. <laughs> yeah, that's that. would Now that would be obscure. <laughs> right. <laughs> Next question, Matt. I think it's um 1940 medal campaign again. It is. Uh, if you could be characters in any war movie or series, what would you both be? So that's a variation on another one we had earlier. So, but... so does he mean like be forever? Like I would morph into them? Oh, <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd have to like, not just in the film. That's that's you forever. That's you like, forever. Going to Tesco as Kelly from Kelly's Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Okay, if I could be a character... Oh, well, I want to be someone who survives the movie. Oh, that would be a bit silly. Um, I want to be Kane playing Joe Vandler. That's quite good. Because then, then, I'd, then I'd have some charisma and, and be quite suave. Yeah. Um, yeah, and have some have some stories. You wouldn't want to be Stanley Baker in Paratrooper? No, because he dies. <laughs> he falls to his death. They do, my guy. So dirty in that. I love Stanley Baker. He's so gung-ho. He's so gung-ho on that plane, though. Maybe Stan Baker as Bennett. I'd like to be him because he's a bit of a, a bit of a twat. <laughs> I think you could just it be. I'm not like that in real life, so it would maybe just be nice to be that way for a bit. See what it's like. What about Stan Baker in The Last Grenade? No, never. <laughs> no. no, never again. Okay. Okay. Uh, next question. Uh, if money was no object, what battle or conflict from any period of history would you like to see filmed? Is now I'm gonna I'm gonna twist this because we have a couple of similar ones, but filmed would would you class that so as it's out like, of our hands? Yeah, so, so if, like if, if as as in filmed at the actual battle or filmed oh, as I a thought film. Like, so if you were scanning IMDb one day and you'd be like new releases, mm-hmm. what and if you saw it, you go ooh, mm. maybe that yeah. Okay, I mean it's coming up next year. It's the 40th anniversary, but I'd, I'd like to see a. Maybe like a new Falklands War film. Maybe set, maybe Port Stanley, or um, mm. maybe set in, maybe a naval film set in um, Bom Alley. Arden or something. Yeah. In Arden, yeah. Mm. In a similar vein, I was thinking a Malaya, and a, a, a Malayan yes. agency film would be really interesting. Because we've gotten, we've gotten sort of all the conflicts. I mean, there's a, there's a new Dutch movie out about the, the Dutch uh, Indonesian War. Mm. Uh, post-colonial conflict um, and that's you know the same region obviously and so it'd be interesting to get like uh, a Malayan emergency movie from a That'd be nice perspective so Hugo Drax asks he's got two questions he asks what's your favourite Second World War films and what's your favourite films out of the war genre keep up the good work he says thanks Hugo good questions um, tricky as always but at least we've narrowed it down to Second World War films so I can kind of try and pick one start off strong yeah yeah um i mean i would say favorite second world war film for me 
would be I'd have two or three, and I'd probably say mm. Crawl C, there's is yep. the glory, and mm. yes, his enemy, probably if I had to have three. Okay. Quite like those ones. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's is the glory is definitely in my list. Um it was the first one we ever covered and it is, and it's, it's know, got it's a special just, place. It's a special film as well. Mm. It's really interesting. Um Meryl's Marauders. That's a film I really love. Um Yesterday's Enemy is a good shout. Uh, but I, I would say The Hill. Okay. Because that's a that's a kind of a, a war movie that you know is is you know not standard fare, is that Take all. him to the mortuary. <laughs> it's, it's a great one. It's, I love it's it. So good. Um what else? I mean, Save It Pride Ryan's a, a you know, something that's always in contention. People love to hate on it, but it is a good movie. I know it's it, yeah, it's been a bit of a revision, hasn't there? Mm. Um, a bit unfairly, um, I think. Maybe, yeah. Uh, what are your favourite films outside of the... Favourite films out, outside the genre? Uh, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I like Coen Brothers movies. I like Space Jam. Space Jam, the original. I like. I go back to these sort of films because they're comfort movies. I bet there's a film you didn't expect to hear on the on the, on the the episode, people. That's... Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah no, I'm a, I'm a bit of a base uh, basketball fan outside of, yeah. like, Foff. So, yeah. Com- I like, yeah, yeah, completely valid. Like Michael Jordan stuff, it's like a bit of a hero. So I do like, yeah, I I, yeah. I like, I like Wes Anderson movies. So I'm going to say Steve Zissou in The Life Aquatic because it's yes. the only, it was for the longest time the only Wes Anderson film with like a gun battle in it. Ah, yeah, yeah. He has a little, I like Fantastic raid. Mr. Fox. That's a great one. It's a good film. That's so nice. Yeah, it's a nice film. And Jarvis Cocker turns up and I'm like, yeah, he does it. Yeah. <laughs> So next question is from Brian Williams. What are your best death scenes in a war film? Alan! Yeah, oh God, yeah. It's Sandy, isn't it? It's got to be Sandy for me, I think, as well. It's so sad. Yeah. If if you don't if you don't feel yourself welling up when Sandy gets killed in Wild Geese, then... Tears. I, yeah, it's just... I mean, we didn't even mention Sandy for the best on-screen sergeant. No, we didn't. But his death is quite very memorable. And Sandy is a top on-screen NCO. He is. He's, he's, he's top 10 for me, easily. Top five, maybe. Mm. Any man that goes into a combat zone and everyone else is picking Uzis and picks a Sterling submachine gun is is all right in my book. He's a man of taste. He is. He is very much so. It's, it's not the right wording, but I do like the bit in The Bridge Too Far where the chap tries to go and get the, um, the drop container. Oh, yeah. With the yeah. barrows in it and he gets killed. Mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. quite like that because it's it's quite poignant isn't it it is it is i know what you mean it sticks with you that scene do you mm. do quite i think that's a good scene and then there's then the scene in the cruel sea when ericsson has to make the choice to depth charge where the men are in the water mm. um because that that is just it's, it's one of the best i think it's probably one of the best scenes of 50s british cinema because it's just so well shot you know hawkins is on his a game Mm. the the pressure of the the action emotional hit and then how that affects him after and you get the dutch seamen who they've picked up before or the norwegian seamen who come in and go look we did we we understand mm. Mm. you know and it's like you know from mariner to mariner 
and they have a drink together thanking them for saving their lives yeah you know it's 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 the war the the whole bloody war i just love it and the fact that hawkins didn't get like an oscar for that movie is just sticking with oscar worthy performances what about stanley baker's death in paratrooper <laughs> no it's it's quite a shocking death i must admit it is like because he's there so gung-ho like explaining that parachuting is nothing they overdub him for once they do oh, it's not yeah. it's not it's not paul stan's voice considering it's the same year as crawl c which is even worse it's insane um but yeah and then he, he drops out the plane and his shoot doesn't shoot doesn't deploy yeah. properly and he falls to his death and it's a shocking death yeah, it's, it's you know it's it's not it's not the best death scene in a war film but it's it's an interesting one uh what about what what do you think of tom hanks's death in same private ryan yeah it is up there isn't it i think because mm. for so long people were like oh he shot the tiger tank and it blew up it's like that was overshadowing it for a while then people were like no it's the it's the p51 like hitting yeah. with a rocket it's, it's a it's a good end to a powerful performance isn't it mm. yet again mm. Um, it's a well shot into it because you know he's dead at the start so you you know it's coming you don't know when true yeah so that is a good that's a good cir- whole circle arc there mm, mm. Stephen Young asks um, those custard creams in the radio stores at, in A Bridge Too Far have always bothered me any thoughts on biscuit authenticity in movies see I've never thought of that no <laughs> were, were custard creams around they have to be they have to be surely they'd be rationed i mean maybe not for not for the officer class perhaps perhaps their ways yeah 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 Mm. caveating off that i mean what biscuits do you think should be in films what biscuit do you think should have appeared in in the cruel sea for instance what should they have had after their snorkers maybe a ginger biscuit to settle their stomachs maybe can i (laughs) have to to eat after eating all that sausage yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've never considered biscuit authenticity. I've never considered. I mean, maybe we have to have a biscuit feature. <laughs> we need a biscuit expert. That's what we need. We, do, we need yeah. so, someone that's an expert in in historical biscuits. I mean, Christ, we've done some niche films on this show, but I think <laughs> biscuits of great what, British what, war what biscuit, films. Would what be. biscuit should Mrs. Grant, Miss Grant, have offered to the um, the fifth columnist? Oh, a, a fruit shortcake. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's not a biscuit, but okay. It's a shortcake. It's a biscuit. Shortbread. Shortcake biscuit. Shortbread, sorry. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Before she <laughs> bats him over the head with a Webley. <laughs> okay. So this one comes from the War Gamers Forum. And it was a, a question me and Matt were waxing lyrical about the other night. Um, and it's uh, what is the most alley small arm? I think we're unanimous, aren't we? It's the peer, isn't it? It's the peer. It's a peer, yeah. I quite like the sterling because of you. Yeah, I mean, I love the Sterling because yeah. I wrote a book about it and spent a long time looking at them and you know, right, researching them. I mean, and Sandy chose one in, in um, mm. Wild Geese, so you know they're good. I've got a, quite a penchant or a, per, a perchant if you're from comprehensive school. Um, I've got, I like the Mark V Sten. Yeah, yeah. With, or without, without, with or without the foregrip. Both. Okay. Because if you're in Malay or Korea, you got it without, yeah. without it usually. True. Because I had quite a bit of longevity. Did, yeah. Yeah, oh God, yeah. Um, well into the 60s. I think it kind of gets forgotten about because people just think, oh, it's just an airborne weapon. Mm, yeah, yeah, I can see that. And I think it was quite unfairly sort of forgotten about and it did get used. Yeah. I mean, every film I watched, every war movie I watched as a kid always had an MP40 in it. 
They they were, yeah. They they were I mean, it seemed at one point that every soldier in the Wehrmacht was was armed with an MP40. If you watch set, you know. <laughs> set in classic war movies. <laughs> yeah, but the Pier Piers are cool. I mean, it's only been in what, like four, four, five films. Sadly didn't make an appearance in um The Forgotten Battle, which I'm disappointed about. It's a shame. They could have been in a horse packed full of pits. <laughs> that's they? what they had in it, Matt. That's, that's why, my head cannon. That's why Lonsdale didn't have enough bombs and pits. That's because that horse went down. That's that had Lonsdale's pit stocks in it. We've salvaged yeah. that movie. There you go. We have the head cannon <laughs> is just is that's made it absolutely it's, way it's more fixed. Enjoyable for battle. <laughs> <laughs> so the next question is from I, I don't know if his full name, but it's uh, Kihar, formerly of Dissecting Worlds at Dissecting Worlds on Twitter. You know who you are. He asks us if you were dressing a film like Richard the Third, what combo of kit, clothes, vehicles, weapons would you put together for the ultimate alley army? That is that's interesting. So Richard the Third, it's it's the adaptation with Ian McKellen. Uh, it's, it's sort of Nazi esque, and there's Lewis guns and and dystopia, isn't it? I mean, it's got to be Denison's, hasn't it? Really, there's got to be Denison's. Yeah. So I've <laughs> I've written down. Of course mine. you have. Of course <laughs> you have. So for me, it's got to be it's got to be Denison's. Right. You know what? Let, let's alter this a little bit. Sixty eight pattern Paris smocks. Ooh, <laughs> DPM ones. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay so anyone who doesn't know quickly a 68 pattern denison para, not denison sorry a 68 para smock is essentially just a denison smock that with dpm camo yeah so a 68 pat um para smocks original m16s m6 or Ooh. m16a1s um and basically just going for sort of like 60s British Army in, in Northern Ireland and Malaya, aren't I, at this point? Um, Indonesia, rather. In Humber, scout cars and things. Yeah, I think okay. so. I think that's, that's, such a, that's a cool look. I mean, BAOR is a, is a, is a very right. cool look and is very sort of recognisable. Mm. That 70s period, the, the, the yeah. 60s through to the I'm 70s of, of BAOR. Um, British Army on the Rhine, sorry. Um, yeah. Weapons-wise... L4 Brens, the 762 conversion. This is Matt's like paramilitary force in his dystopian picture. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It truly is. Um 66 mil laws for you know for the anti-tank element. Mm-hmm. Um you know it's Sterling's obviously. Okay. So Sterling's I would have different. I would have my my paramilitary force in my movie, my Maguire force, as I'm gonna call them. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so I would have them in um world war ii first pattern smocks um so that's right. like the, the the three quarter zip ones right um i'd have them in um black 58 pattern webbing mm. um and they would be wearing um mark three helmets oh really like yeah mark three british helmets um because i quite Tell like the tortoise shells yeah quite like yeah. them okay um khaki slacks with um ankle putties you see i i go for i go for the um um ankle anklets okay you want you want web, webby anklets or, okay. or maybe maybe uh, uh jungle boots right okay i get it yeah so mm. then like just for me just regular like ankle, like ammo boots and mm. then i would arm them with i mean i know matt's m16s but i want them to be armed with the m16 m16s out of escape from new york you know like they took the barrel shroud off oh yeah and put and the they grenade like a weird on. long barrel carbine i quite like that transport i'd have like daimler dingoes but like towing almost like horse boxes but with like men in 
So they'd just have like they they'd have Daimler Dingoes, but then they'd have like a like a trailer variant for like anti tank and anti air. So it's just like loads of Daimler okay. Dingoes just pulling all sorts of different cars. Everyone gets a dingo. Pretty um, much. Yeah. Like, I was saying to Matt over Twitter, I was like on the set, no one would be able to hear each other over the roar of Daimler engines. <laughs> Action. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Turn your dingo off. Can't hear it. <laughs> but that would be my Maguire. Not Bedford's then. I mean, maybe there'd be a few beddies, but I thought it'd be hilarious just to have like 100 Daimler dingoes just like <laughs> running around. Because you know Richard the Third is is hilarious, obviously. No, I know, um, but like you know, you've got to, if there's going to be a scenes where like men are going to have to like storm a fort or something, turning up like in horse boxes would, towed by would they dismount from their dingoes to storm the the castle? No, they, this, they the men inside would be like shooting the brens, but then the men in the like the horse box esque APC okay. armored okay. trailers would get out. Right, you know. I swear to God, the British Army tested something very similar to that. Did they oh, in, cool. in the 50s, 60s? <laughs> Well, there you go. So yeah, that, that's that's our weird military forces. If, if we ever go mad with power, then if you see a Daimler coming down the road, I mean the Black Fifty Eight, the Black Fifty Eight webbing is that's that's a good choice. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Yeah. yeah, I used to air airsoft in a set of that and never let you down. So next we have we have uh, Waitman, Doctor Waitman, uh, born, yeah. who has asked, "What is the fakest prop ever used? Can be scenery prop, vehicle mock-up, etc." really like this question mm. so the first thing that popped into my head was that terrible machine gun in um in cockleshell heroes yeah that is quite funny that looks like a, a lewis gun but it's j- basically just a wood it just looks terrible mm. it's supposed to the, the the pan mag on it is is clearly just a piece of wood that's been cut out in a circle i quite like the um the 30 cal mock-up in uh, objective burma Oh yeah, the weird yeah the weird Vickers gun that is made to oh, look like it's a, quite good. yeah yeah. There's some proper terrible uh, Browning thirty cal's on the top of the uh, tanks in Tears. Sorry, Valley of Tears. Valley of Tears, the new the new thing. Yeah, the the Israeli um, series. Mm. They and there's there's one lad that is doing his best to make it look real, and he's shaking hell out of it like it's firing. Um, but there's a couple of like shots where they accidentally show the pistol grip, and it's just it's it's clearly just a couple of bits of balsa painted black, right? So yeah, yeah. that's what I quite like all I the mean, weird like armored car mock-ups you get in the sixties and fifties. I was thinking about this. Quite yeah, like them. The one in six three three squadron is pretty terrible. <laughs> it's good. It's it's a bad good though, isn't it? It's pretty awful though, isn't it? It's like there's that weird sort of like tall sort of i can't even describe it it's that weird it's like a they've built up like a slightly slightly angled front piece and then put a light and a machine gun mount on top of i think it was a humber might have been yeah oh the dingo myself no i think think it was a dingo i think you're right Mm. just just paint the dingo gray and put a put a cross on it for god's sake yeah or you, but that was just ugly. Mm. That's quite good. I like that question. Uh, so this comes from next question is from uh, Wojcik uh, Lugowski. I think it's Wojcik. Wojcik, sorry, Wojcik. But he asks, "What is your favourite scene from all the all of the war movies you've seen?" Oh, that's tricky. Mm. That's another tricky one. 
Um, I, I, as I said earlier, I, I love the scene in Cruel Sea where he has to make the decision about depth charging them and in the water mm, just because mm. of the way it's shot. And, yeah. And the emotional weight of it. Yeah. Look, look I'd, at off saying the exact same thing. I know. I'd go for that. How long have we been doing this podcast? I, you know what? I think it's um, Michael Caine and his platoon of good bayonet men when they when they come into action in Zulu. That's a good one. And, and the bit where he's on the roof. Mm. Oh, that's such a great sequence where he's fighting on the roof and it's on fire and there's a bit of teamwork between, I think it's him and Corporal Hicks. Yeah. Um, and the and the way the way the Hicks jumps off that roof knocks that Zulu off it. Oh, it's such a it's such a dynamic, beautifully shot scene. Mm. And, and Kane is just pure money. Because he, he he drops one Zulu with with a martini. And then he pulls his revolver and just starts shooting them as they're running past. It does look it's good just, in movies when people drop their, their primary and get out of their secondary. It, it does, does look good. It does. I mean, that must be like one of the first non, so maybe Western films that you see someone like drop their primary and go secondary. Yeah, perhaps it is. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's a great sequence. And I always love that. That's one of my favorite scenes. But there's so many. That's another one of those things that you... you, you it would change month that, to month for me as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course. There's so mm. many that are like coming into my brain right now that I can't sort of <laughs> can't get it down into words. Into, into, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like with the, someone asks you a question about a war film. Now a door a door opens and all the ideas try to jam through, and it's just the one that gets through first, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Um, it's like in The Simpsons where they show Mr. Burns's like diseases, and they're all trying to get through the door. That's what I always say. So what you're like, saying is we're immortal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've seen the episode too. <laughs> so Ken Reaney asks, um, could we cope with the alley in Sea of Sand? I mean, there is some good stuff in there, isn't some there? Great stuff in there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vickers guns, gone. stens. Mm. Everyone's got a sten in that film. Yes, even the Germans. Mm. There's a good mock-up of an Italian scout car. Yeah, 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 there is. Yeah, and they sort of charge it with a truck, don't they? Yeah, and shoot it with a Vickers gun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing that film. I really like it. I know you've been wanting to do that one for a while, haven't you? I have been. I yeah. mean, there's a few, but yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, sea, sea of Sand is is a good one. It's that's kind of a sort of hidden gem as well, a bit, isn't it? Really, it is. it's what well, it's one of the only LRDG films out there, so that is a bonus for it. You would think there'd be more, but I mean, mm. we are getting a SAS series. We are, yes. Yeah, I think we could cope, Ken. I think just about, <laughs> just about. Um, Andy Moody asks. One, is there, in your opinions, a golden age of war movies? And if so, what is it and why? Two, what makes a more engaging film about warfare, the grand epic, sorry, or the very micro personal story? Uh, three, what, in your guys' view, is behind the enduring appeal of the genre? There's a lot there. We, sh we should un unpack that, I think. So question one, is there, in your opinions, a golden age of war movies? And if so... Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What is it and why? I think, to be honest, it's it's got a, there is a golden age. Mm. And it's it's got to be like the fifties through to the you know late sixties. Yeah, I think so. There were so many the pure output that was being made in that mm. period where it was just film after film after film after film. That says a lot about the, the period of the fifties, isn't it? Because you're trying to come to terms with what happened. Yeah, and the you know the the, the film was a genre is allowed to get back on its feet um, as well post war. So. Yeah, I think the fifties is is that that starting point, and there's just so many. You got the eighties too, tier. where yeah. you had all of those Vietnam movies coming through. Yeah, that resurgence, that little bit of mm. Vietnam um, trend yeah. that was there for a bit. I for me, I'd say fifties is golden age, golden era. Yeah, um, just especially the, the British war movies. Yeah, exactly. Um, British at least. You, know, you, you all the stars are there. You got the Dambusters, Crawley, and I Dunkirk. Yeah, yeah, Dunkirk. All these great films, one after another. None of them are flops. None of them are bad movies. So I think that probably that. And they endure. Those movies endure as well. They you do. Know, they they do. might be 70 years old at this point. Or, you know. Yeah. But they still are very watchable. They still are very relevant movies as well. They're not. Some of them haven't aged a day. Mm. You know, even though, that you know, it's, it's not CGI. It's not, you know, how we make movies now. But they do really hold up. And I think, I think that's how, that's why they endure. Because... They are their core. There are a lot of human stories in there, mm. so I think that maybe that's why they transcend their era. What about you, Matt? You agree? agree? Yeah, I think I think you're right there. Those those films of of, of that fifties fifties into the sixties period of there's there's so much being made in so many different sort of niches mm. as well. They 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 move out of the the tropes and films start to be you know, examining different aspects of the war. And I think that's important too. Mm. Um, but yeah, so uh, question two out of Andy's um, three there is, what makes a more engaging film about warfare, the grand epic or the very micro personal story? I really mm. like that because, I mean, you've got really great epic movies and then you have really bad epic movies and then you have great personal story movies and pretty flat personal story movies don't mm. you so i mean on an epic scale you've got films like waterloo the longest day um lawrence of arabia you yeah. know all these really amazing cinematic huge beautifully shot big budget high stakes movies and then you get really interesting personal stories as well so i, I mean um the, the movie about Bielsa Sabo and you know a recent one I really like was um, The Twelfth Man uh, the, okay. the Norwegian movie uh, we mm. talked about on a show and tell a little while yeah, back yeah, yeah. that was an interesting one it, it doesn't have to be an epic scale I mean look at um, April 9th the Danish movie that's that's a great sort of little look at just one unit and maybe even just yeah. the, the unit's commander really is the main character Um yeah i mean what makes it what makes a, an engaging film for you is it the big mm. the big epic or the i mean for me i think it depends what you're in the mood for as well as yeah. a viewer so 
you know, I think epic, grand epic can be good mm. if they hit every beat perfectly. So, yeah. like, longest, like day longest day is like a grand epic, but not everything mm. lands for me. Mm. Okay, um, but it, it it still does, and and I'm like that with the bridge too far as well. It's an yeah. epic, but not everything lands. Whereas, no, I think there is, are very few that really do. Exactly, what even theirs doesn't land everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's quite hard to do properly. But then micro, you can sort of lose something. Mm. So like, I think there's a good middle ground there. But I do like I like the personal story aspect too. But I think it just depends what what you want. Yeah, you know, so I would say, that. like an example of the personal story, but getting the epic is Crawl C. Because mm. it's a confined space, you're in a ship. But mm. because of the importance of the Atlantic War, and it does touch on that as well, and how you know not not killing a U-boat one day is going to affect someone else the next. How you how your actions have weight to a bigger battle. I think that's one of the movies that does it really well, and you get great personal tales in there too. Yeah. I think maybe that one would be one of those movies i'd say dan busters yeah. as well for personal stories yeah. ideally it's a personal story with an epic epic um sort of backdrop isn't it yeah exactly yeah. Is, is the ideal um i mean mm. you very rarely nowadays get those epics i mean dunkirk i yeah. suppose you could consider as that a tried to be epic and have the personal stories mm. 1917 similar sort of story there yeah i think 1917 possibly did better at mm. conveying its personal stories within its grand epicness, because that movie yes. was shot as an epic. Mm. But I think Dunkirk it got muddled. Yeah, um, I mean the, the 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 timeline stuff in in Dunkirk doesn't help that movie. I don't mm-hmm. think. Not at all. I th- yeah, I, I think it just confuses elements of it. Um, but yeah, that's a great question. Um, that's a thought provoking one. I think three. What, in your view, is behind the enduring appeal of the genre? I always, I say I've said this a few times, but I think it's the fact that war movies are looking at the human condition in one of the most base things that we do, which is fight each other. Mm-hmm. And within that, there's so much scope artistically to examine interrelationships between people, how they're affected by events. You can tell a love story in a war film. You can tell um, you can tell you can make you can make a horror movie in a in a, yeah. in a war movie. You can make a comedy in a war movie. Mash, Kelly's Heroes, Counts Others. So there's so much with the, with the genre that you can do. I can't. There's not. There's not many genres that are so clearly defined as as, as war war movies mm. that are so adaptable to telling stories on a human level. I think. Yeah, I I think I'd echo that. I think because it's such a debased thing that we choose to do to each other. Mm. Considering you all live, we live on the same planet and we all breathe the same air. Yeah. you choose to go and kill someone else because of their viewpoint or something they've mm-hmm. done, whether it be right or wrong. Um, because war is such a, it's, it's a part of our history and it's a part of our current times that it never goes away. There, there are always conflicts. I think they're always just, they're always just ripe for a, a, a film, aren't they? And I think it's, and it's as much as the war movie genre has diminished from being a war movie every month, every other month sort of thing. Now the war movie for me has become an event movie, i.e. like your Marvel films now. When a big production or big war production comes along, it feels like an event because we're not used to them as much. So you do tend to get 
very you get less good war less big budget war movies but when you get them they tend to get a big budget thrown at them and they're very interesting in their own right anyway mm. so i think I that's mm. why the, the genre is still going strong mm. and i hope that because of 1917 and dunkirk and etc that we see a resurgence in it i mean maybe I mean, this is getting off topic a little bit, but I think we need more middling budget movies that do the personal thing on the smaller scale to keep it going. But then we need the big event movies to show the execs that they're profitable. Yeah, yeah, so I know a, what you mean. It's a big circle of, you know. Yeah, I suppose with those the big ones, I suppose you've got to factor in like how accurate they're going to be, and are they going to be? Are they going to be? That makes it all the more fun to. It does. It does. Here, it? it does. Um, but I think you're right there with the with the smaller movies. It's just a matter of people showing their interest. And it, it, it's it's also then, you've got sorry. to have directors and studios taking the chance on more movies as well. Of course. You? Yeah. Um, and if if they're being put forward, people are going to go go mm. see them. But then now with streaming does it even matter because you're not when Netflix puts out CG Adaptville mm-hmm. or something like Forgotten Battle, whether people like it or not, those movies aren't because they're on Netflix. You never see Netflix's metrics. You never see Netflix's profitability scale or whatever. They don't share it. So True. if these movies don't do as well on streaming platforms, that's not going to hurt the movie as much as it would have done if it had a full cinema release and it absolutely bombed because then you can take a chance on another film if you're on streaming because of the nature of the beast. Whereas if you make a 150 million pound war movie and it doesn't, doesn't make its money back or it's not mm. profitable or if it's a yeah. flop or whatever, that's going to be reflected much harsher because it had a, a lot more money put into it. You know, uh, you're right there. You're right. I mean, uh, one, one huge film can tank a genre for forever, can't it? Yeah. But I yeah. think, I think yeah, thinking about that, I mean, just as sort of like an example, we didn't have a pirate movie for like a decade after Cutthroat Island was made in like in the nineties because that bo- that that film bombed, but yeah. it was such a big budget. I think, unlike that sort of smaller genre, war movies are always going to be there. I don't think, I don't think they're going to be sort of um, um, what I'm looking for. They're not going to fully die off. Yeah, I the the <clears throat> excuse me. That when we're not going to see the genre um, completely tanked by a failure because it's such a uh, broad. It it is. It's such a broad genre that, that as I said earlier, you, you can do so much within, mm. and it's such a you know it's such a, a base human uh, condition to examine. You know, Agreed. fighting each other, conflict. Uh, there's so much within that that is interesting to writers and directors. And that echoes Andy's second question, isn't it? About the epic and the personal. There's every mm. there's there's scope for everything. So Albert Lee asks, how often have you considered selecting movies in languages you don't speak? Quite often, actually. Right? Mm. We've done a few. We've done. Um, we've talked about Mosul. We've talked about The King's Choice, Twelfth uh, yeah. Man. Some Danish Norwegian. We did Pan, um, Panaflov's Men, didn't we? Panaflov's Men is that is is one that we've done um, as a main episode. Yeah, uh, there's quite a few on our list, aren't? Isn't there? Yeah, like um, the Brooker, Vesta Platt resists. 
um that bndm foo french film yeah um there's the the, the french the app movie um we the dunkirk Dun- yeah Dunkirk movie sorry um there's there's a there's a melee oh god there's a there's an indonesian movie from the, the 50s that i'd like to cover mm-hmm. um there's loads actually yeah see, loads. And this and is where this is this it's, is a big. It's getting to them, isn't it? Yeah, this is the thing because because of the the way we do it week to week, and we we have that's the you know looking at behind the scenes a little bit about the show because of me and Matt's schedule, we can only do one per week. You know, we we can make allowances for special episodes. So you know, the War Below was the first episode we released that wasn't like you know on um on schedule, but that's because we had the chance to review a brand new film on the press release circuit. So we wanted to put it out then that's what we agreed mm-hmm. with um, the people who gave us the uh, screener um so that was like an anomaly but it just that just comes down to time really you know that that and i think that's the great thing about the show is because of the amount of films we can cover and the amount of things we can get around to there's there's room for it all it's just getting to it and that's that's it the is. thing and they're coming because there's yeah. some absolutely fascinating ones like as you mentioned Westerplat um canal there's a couple of Dutch movies I'd love to cover. Yeah. There's there's um, there's a whole host of Russian movies I'd love to cover. Polish ones as um, well. Polish ones. And mm. there's a there's a couple of Chinese movies I'd really like to to talk about. Yeah. Uh, the eight hundred and the new one about uh, the, the Battle of uh, Chosin Reservoir. Um. So there's there's loads there's loads coming up. Um, and we've got you know we've got a guest uh, for you know Jenny Grant's going to be coming on talking about three uh, three squadron. And mm-hmm. we've got uh, Lucinda Ferry's going to be coming and doing Westerplatte with us. So yeah, I mean, we have got we've got guests lined up for these sorts of films because we want to give them. We want, you know, hearing us bang on about movies is all well and good, but when it's about something that someone can come on and really tell us more and, and mm. show us and 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 you know just peel off a little little bit more than we can with their expertise, then we'd love we love a movie to get a bigger in-depth look with three people than just me and Matt go, oh, that was a good film about yada, yada, whoever. We'd much rather give that movie the the uh, respect. I do deserves. like it. Yeah, I do like it when people bring their expertise and it adds a fresh layer to looking at a film. Exactly. Because, you know, the, there's, there's a lot we do where we, we look at movies and we do our research beforehand about you know the historical context of them, etc. And you mm. dig up some great reviews and stuff like that. But there's people that spend entire you know careers looking at certain areas of history. Exactly. And it's it, it's it's brilliant when we can bring someone on t- to give that amount of depth. That's what we like the depth. That's what I was mm. trying to say with Matt. Next question is from uh, Din De Insalaf. Uh, I think it's Steve. Um, the best battle scene in a non-war movie. E.g. Cold Mountain. The Cold Mountain one is good. In it's sort of like a similar vein, I would say the battle in The Good, the Bad and the Ugly. Okay. Um, the Yeah, I really like that one. Um, mm. it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one because there's a, there's quite a few. I know there's a few, but I'm, I was struggling to think of a few, but I, Atonement is, is, um, is yeah, that one that's... Yeah, Dunkirk scene there is something else, mm, isn't it? it yeah, is. yeah. That jumps to mind. Mm. I really love the gun battle in Heat. I know it's obvious, but I mean, gosh, that is a scene and a half, isn't it? It's not a war movie, but I will allow it. Yeah, it's a scene in a non-war movie. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, so he means like a historical film that 
that what he means? Best, best battle scene in a non-war movie. What's a gun I battle? That, it is. I think it's I think a lot it counts. I think so. I mean, pure, I mean purely, you know, because it's... And Andy McNabb was apparently involved in, yeah, in the was, training. Yeah, he was, apparently so. Apparently, you, know, you, so. Get, you get Val Kilmer's reload. Mm-hmm. You get Al Pacino running with a... I forget what weapon he has in it now. It's like some sort of car. It's an FNFNC. That's it, yeah. And that picture of him looking behind it, like looking over his shoulder with the weapon in his hands, that's like mm-hmm. one of my favourite promotional stills from a movie ever. Um, yeah, Tom Sizemore's got a galil. I mean, because when I first saw it, I'd never heard of Heat in my life. I just loved mm-hmm. the actors involved. It was when I was at uni, my mate was like, you should watch Heat, Rob, you'd love it. Um, when I was at uni doing drama. And I watched it and I wasn't expecting this big gun-ho gun battle. Because um, this is like pre-streaming days almost. Like Netflix was kind of the new thing. So mm-hmm. it was still when you had to like, you know, get a DVD or something. And he lent me his. Um, and I was like, mate, that gun battle was like something else. He's like, yeah, I knew you'd love it. And it's one of those just great gun battles of film. It's yeah, it's, it's always on all of the lists, isn't it? It's so good. Uh, yeah, so Tome and Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Um, there's a Brad Pitt movie um, with Harrison Ford um, called The Devil's Own, and yeah. it begins with like um, a shootout in in Northern Ireland. Uh, I think Brad Pitt is in 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 the um, the IRA, and yeah, it there's AKs, Mac Tens, MP5s. SA80s, which is rare. You don't see a lot of SA80s no. in films, and obviously, yeah, there's there's um, M16A1s, and it's it's just doesn't the very... 30 cal in the in the Saracen go off a bit? I think so. Yeah, that yeah. is definitely yeah. But it's such it's such a um, an interesting like little sequence. It's so well shot and conducted. It's a nice um, little compact action. It sequence, is. Isn't it's it? it's yeah. like, and you don't you don't see this sort of big Hollywood treatment of Northern Ireland. No, you don't very often either. So it's a very it may not be British thing when we cover it on our media, isn't it? Like a, yes, in it TV is, and yeah. film, it's inherently a very British thing. Mm. But it's it's how how accurate it is I don't know, but it's it's a heck of a sort of gun battle. Yeah, and that's one that always that, that jumped out to me when I was trying to think of think of that because it's it's like four minutes of just chaos. Yeah, lit and rip. Yeah. Mm. Well, next question is from Matt Bone, our friend over at History Hack. Um, and he asks us, favourite aerial shot in a war movie, as in taken with real slash virtual camera in the air? Ooh, now, I know what I want to say. Go on. But I don't know if we're both going to say it. Go you on. You know in the in Longest Day with the French commandos? <sighs> that yes. tracking aerial tracking shot is just uh, that, something that is- else. That is up there with the scene from um is it You Only Live Twice, the, the Connery Bomb movie? And right. The, the fight scene on the roof. Yeah, it's just a it's a not only is the, it a great aerial sequence, but the continuity mm, of it is that that tracking shot is beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, the 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 it's, it's Wistram, isn't it? The the uh, That's it. on the casino. It's so well choreographed. It is. And they they have a peer too, so it's that's it just is. a winner. I think it's just seeing them, that mass of men moving. Yeah, it gives a lot of scale, doesn't it? There's something about that. It's just so mm. nice. Mm. That's a great choice. Um, the I mean, recently we talked about the the uh, the, the Sutherland uh, Sutherland from, scene in Yangtze. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is nice. That is nice. That was good. Um, I mean, there's there's lots of stuff from Battle of Britain that's really great. Mm. I quite like. 
the scene in Full Metal Jacket where they're in the Chinook. Not Chinook, sorry. Oh, yeah. Is, is it a Chinook they're in? Or Wessex? Uh, oh, yeah. I know that. It's not. It's a, heli- a, I don't know the helicopter, C- mate. C- oh, God. C- it's C- a Sikorsky. Sikorsky. That is good. I mean, there's there's few there's few scenes that, that match the Ride of the Valkyries sort mm. of impact. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian Taylor asks, which film have you sat through um, that has been the hardest to get to the end of as it was so bad? I think, well, I mean, me and Matt watched this awful movie. I mean, I think we put it up on Twitter a few months ago, but it's become a, it's become like a bit of a foff, foff touchstone movie when we want to explain a bad war movie. It's called mm. D-Day the 6th of June, I think, yeah. or like, it's got a couple of names, but it was made by The Asylum, um, and it's a D-Day film with uh, Nick Cage's son in it. Yeah. And it's just one of those bargain bin, you know... He's the fattest of, ranger colonel Yeah, ever. bottom yeah. of the barrel, sort of rubber M1 Garand, green, like, dress shirt buttoned up war movies you've ever seen. It's just there's no attention to detail done in anything. It's no, purely... It, it was absolutely dire. Such a I bad mean, one. Um, well, what about the Rebels of PT-256 or whatever it was one called? One or nine with, or whatever it was. Yeah, that, yeah that's with, the most recent one. Danny Trejo that we yeah. watched the other day. I mean, I know Asylum are known for not making great movies, but, like, you just feel sorry for everyone. <laughs> you see, the thing is, with that Rebels of PT, whatever it is, film, like, I wanted to watch through to the end just to see, like, how bad it would get. Yeah. That's the um, thing, like, when when a German has an, like, an AR, a modern AR-15... Yeah, they almost become like guilty pleasures. That's bad. That's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. That's that's a tricky one to think. I mean, what is a, what is a bad film that hasn't been enjoyably bad? Can you think of one that we've that we've I looked sat at? through the last grenade? Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, me and Stanley Baker. When we did Merc Month, we we weren't finding it hard to do Merc movies, but we didn't want to do like too many of the obvious ones first off because we want to do Merc month two um yep. next march march sorry mark harder yeah um <laughs> so we watched the last grenade with stan baker and, and looking from the trailer and the you know the post we think stan baker running around the jungle the sterling. With sterling in a denison smock yes please yes please we'll have a bit of that and then it's just possibly one of the most disappointing movies we've ever we've ever watched truly you know yeah, an odd film. there's a couple of there's a couple of good sequences. Yeah, but then there's a lot in that film. It's just like we thought about why doing, is this in here? We thought about doing commentaries, commentary tracks for movies, mm. um, for like the Patreon supporters, and that's one of the movies we thought about doing a commentary track on. Hold that thought with you know we might do commentary tracks eventually. Well, yeah, that's a good question, Brian. That was a good one. Tricky, yeah, tricky. Right, next question comes from. Dave Rhys-Jones, and he says, uh, with the remake of The Man Who Never Was um, into opera- being turned into Operation Mincemeat, uh, what movie would you both like to see remade and what actors as the main characters? Wouldn't it be interesting to have a Longest Day remake? That would be quite something. I, I don't think we need one, but it would be interesting. No. So there's a caveat there. There's a lot of films that we probably don't need a remake of. Yes. For various reasons, either it's just a, a subject that's been done to death, or it's a film that's timeless and doesn't need mm. covering again, or you, you know, there's there's, there's lots of reasons. Hmm. So I think we talked about it on 
on the show we did about it, but I think a, a, a remake of Escape to Victory would work. I don't know whether we need it. Do yeah, but this it? is just for me answering the question. Do we need it, Rob? Do we need that? I mean, yeah, but you can remake it and make it a better film. You know, yeah. And think I of guess. all the superstar football talent you could get involved. It'd be quite something. I I don't want to see Ronaldo try and act though. I think he did all right job. Yeah, because they're all they're all far more media trained now, and they, you know, they yeah. Are... Okay. What about a Yesterday's Enemy remake? Who would you have in that? Okay, well, I. So you'd ideally want to remake something that isn't as is a good movie, but isn't as maybe well mm. known. So yeah, I mean, I think I'd probably put Tom Hiddleston, for Stan Baker. Okay, that makes I would sense. Probably have for the character George Jackson played like the hard, the hard, hard nut sergeant in it. I'd probably it might be a bit old now for it, but I would either maybe have Mark Strong or Daniel Mays. Mark Strong would be good. Yeah. There's a whole generation of, of British actors that haven't had the opportunity, opportunity to be yet. No, no. War movie and it's because it's too <laughs> obvious that they haven't, perhaps. Mm. Like Tom Hiddleston and ben, Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, I ben, Benedict Cumberbatch was in War Horse. And so it was, was, it was in 1917 as well, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, of course he was. But they're not, they've never been like main roles, have they? No. They've always been no, ancillary cameo yeah. pieces. So, yeah, I'd like to see that. Maybe a, a remake of All Quiet on the, on the Western Front. Yeah, that that always gets remade. So maybe now that would work. It does. Would you? Would you? One last one was in the seventies with Ernest Borgnine. And, um, but yeah, that'd be interesting. Who could you get to play Borgnine's role or the 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 role of the the, the NCO, the German sergeant? I mean, you probably get Fassbender in. He is I don't think he'd fit that role though. Not fit the I think role. He's got to be got to be like. I mean, I could pick you older actors who are too old, but I couldn't pick this you. This is actors it. There's not right, a lot of actors. Age range. Yeah. Yeah. Rory Kinnear, perhaps. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, what about um, Toby Jones? He's not too old. He's not yeah, too he old. Can play that role. Who would you have in the in, in the sort of like the protagonist role? The young young lad. Mm. Ace Battlefield. Yeah. I know it's obvious because he was in Journey's End, but I think he still could do a good job. Yeah, Timothy Chalmay, actually. Timothy Chalmay would do good. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he is a very I can much. See that. As of now, isn't he? He's very popular right now. Mm, mm. He'd be your bums on seats actor, wouldn't he? He's youth. He's youthful enough as well, isn't he? Next question. Yeah. Is from Roll van der Veld. I hope I'm pronouncing your, your name mm-hmm. right, Roll. Um, has computer generated imagery, CGI, uh, ruined the war movie genre or has it reinvigorated it? No more actual crashes like in Tora Tora Tora, but then again, powerful computerized scenes as in Midway. I think no. Double-edged sword. I think it's enhanced it. Oh, I'll come out and say that now. Okay. Because there's things you can do way more easily that look way more real. Take Forgotten Battle because it's recently in my head because obviously we covered it last week. Yeah. If you'd have tried to do the horse sequence for real, your budget would have been gone. Oh, yeah. 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 But because you choose to do it CGI, it might cost you a lot of money to make that because of hiring the artists and everything else and making the horse a set. But that looks 10 times better because of it. So movies that maybe don't have the money to hire a tank can get a CGI tank or, you know, movies that want to mix CGI with model effects, like say 1917. Or Panafloff is a great example of that. They did a lot of the practical and the CGI and and it looked great. So I think it helps the lower lower level productions. 
add things they might not necessarily be able to have. And then it only enhances the hundreds of millions of pound budgets. I think so. I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword because it's almost like model work originally. So Mm. if you had a big budget, you could have a great bit, some great model work. If you didn't have the budget, you'd end up with kind of ropey, like action man boats, tanks type thing. And you, you get that with when they haven't got a huge CGI budget, but they try and do a lot with it. So if you compare, once again, Rebels of PT265 yeah, okay. or whatever it is, and the, the guys on the deck look like like um, like uh, matchstick men. Yeah, yeah. They look then, like PlayStation 2 cutscene sort of levels. They do, yeah. 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 It's really bad. And then you compare that to Greyhound, it's night and day. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, then again, to a good war movie, Model work could lift it, mm. or could or could sort of like sap, sort of some of the the, the enjoyment from it if it looks really bad. And I think yeah. the same again is is true for CGI. So you can have a really good um, sort of character piece that's augmented by some CGI that looks terrible, and it can really sap, mm-hmm. sort of s- sap a film. So I think it's a bit of a double edged sword, but I do agree that it gives filmmakers now a hell of a lot more license and, and yeah. ability to recreate stuff that would be next to impossible to recreate with any sort of budget nowadays so this uh, next question comes from two ladders productions well, he says, I'd love to hear you, you talk about more about which are the worst declinist pop shots taken at the British war effort on film. Okay, so sort of like um, the bit in Band of Brothers where the, uh, yeah, where yeah. the, 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 uh, you see the tank uh, commanders sort of made out to look a bit stupid and uh, the bit in A Bridge Too Far where the, yeah. the guy I, says, I think, I think, for so. tea. Mm. I, I think I'd choose those because they are the biggest swipes, really, for me recently. I think I mean, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there was There's a not a great where, many, to be to be honest. No. I can't I think mean, the, of... The, I mean, I think this is where sort of... I think I've heard... I've seen Peter Caddick Adams chat about it a couple of times. It's, it is just your make, what market you're making the movie for. Well, exactly. I was thinking then of uh, Objective Burma, which everyone yeah, always course. said. You know, there was the big... Hoo-ha. Um, the big hoo-ha around... Um, it, it, you know, being an American unit in Burma. Mm, uh, mm. But again, as you say, it's the market you're making that movie for. Yeah. I think, like, I think it annoys, A Bridge Too Far annoys me more because I because now obviously doing the APA episode and all things like that and doing more research into the making the movie, you know, they were trying to sell that movie in America. So mm, mm. there is a, you know, there is more of a sort of, geez, that word again, there's more of a, a sort of a push on for, taking swipes at the british because i think that movie does point the finger a lot at yeah. you know why you know it's almost like it's screaming at the audience why are the british choosing to do this this is a crazy operation this will never work <laughs> i'm like but yeah the characters in that scene though don't know that it's not going to work yet it's like the script has been written with hindsight and i don't mm. think it should have been yeah and then obviously i think i just think in band of brothers i think they should know better than to portray british tank crews as idiotic and stupid yeah. Whereas in 44, they would know, you know, just, I don't think a tank crew would be that naive. 
no, control no they'd, they'd fall away from normandy they they weren't soft. yeah you know i think yeah. even if they are replacements they would still have known yeah. you know they would have learned from their their you know their their comrades um but for me i think they're the, they're the two worst swipes i'd agree with that i can't think of any that are worse than that no um, no i, I mean, can't i mean same private ryan where they say with um uh, captain miller says monty's overrated like mm. i think that i think that line's been blown up out of the water a little bit because i think it's just it's such a sort of he's just dismissing monty but he's just dismissing him in a sort of well he's fought from north africa all the way to d-day so if he thinks monty's overrated by that point in the war then that's what he thinks because he's been fighting for two and a half years yeah so i sort of i think people maybe miss that part of the part of the film where Horvath fills a, a little uh, tin full of uh, sand and writes like France on it. And he's got one that oh, says yeah. like yeah. North it's Africa. Knapsack. Mm, yeah. Mm. So you learn from that bit that they've been fighting for a long time. And maybe they do think that. I can sort of mm. see why, but I know why it irks people because it's sort of dismissing the whole British war effort in a, in a line. But if you narrow it down to the character, then perhaps that's not what the character's saying, but that is mm. what the movie's saying. So you can make you can make um, arguments for both. Absolutely. Um, the next question is from uh, James Jeffries, and he asked, if you could make a film about anything, no limit to budget, what film would it be? About anything? Anything. Anything, right. Anything. I mean, I, I researched this when I was an undergrad, and I, I wrote a paper on it, and it was uh, the Triangle Shirt Waste Factory Fire. Okay. Uh, in 1911, there was a factory that made um, parts of a shirt for, for women Right. Um, in New York. And mm-hmm. it was on like the top story of the building. Um, and there was a fire. Uh, someone, I think, I think uh, someone dropped a match into a, a waste bin. And this fire turned out to be one of the worst industrial accidents in US history. So like there was like 150 uh, women died and the youngest... Mm-hmm. The youngest was 14. Wow. Um, and yeah, there was, it's a horrific story. And it's what actually led to um, fire escapes being put on the outside of buildings. Wow. Okay. Because there was no way out for them except the elevator. So they couldn't, they couldn't get out. That it was just a tragic event. Well, that would be quite a harrowing movie. Yeah, it would be. It totally, I don't yeah. know whether it's actually been done, but they must've made a movie about it at some point, but yeah, I think that'd be a really interesting event to cover. I, I think I'd, I'd bring it to war movies again, but I would love, there's a movie that me and Matt love um, and we always make, it's become a bit of a bit of an in-joke between me and Matt, but it's a film called Soviet Encounter and it's a mm. um, 1983, I think, or 84, a British yeah. Army training film. And it's like a, yes, it's a pseudo realistic, um, what would happen? What What would you do or what you do? Mm-hmm if a Soviet um, Soviet armed guard, vanguard, comes over the hill um, and yep. you'll be AOR. And we're actually, we're going to be interviewing, but I would love to make a narrative war movie about the BAOR fighting the Russians. That would be amazing. Like Hackett's book, but brought to screen. Yeah. So, but but um, not like, but leave nuclear warfare out of it. Yeah, just, just, the, just the conventional conflict... Yeah. And it would be a film about the, the British Army on the Rhine against Third Shock Army or whatever it was. Yeah, I'd love yeah. that. That'd be great. That's what I want to do. Because there's yeah. a few, isn't there? There's another one called Fighting in Woods, which is very similar. Yes. And they feel like 
they interlock and you can probably like cut a whole film, film out of from those these movies. three movies. Yeah. 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 That'd be great, actually. That's what I'd do. Next question is from Ken, uh, one of our patron supporters. He asks, uh, what's a good movie with bad war scenes in the sense of accuracy slash quality and vice versa? Battle of the Bulge. Well, as, it's, as in it's a good movie with bad war scenes. Yeah. I mean, it's not a good movie. But it's not a bad movie. It, it's got a good cast. Yeah, I can see what you mean. It could have been. It could have had a better plot. But the, I, I'm just thinking about that tank battle. The, the right, Amber Lev scene isn't too bad. Hmm. I'm going to really probably annoy some people. Okay. But I think Angels One Five is a really great film. Mm-hmm. But the battle scenes in it just don't look right. Because obviously, it's the first war movie about the Battle of Britain that they made. Yeah. So everything looks kind of wrong. <laughs> But not in a it, the kit's wrong or anything. It just doesn't look right. So there's mm. like a scene of them high calls or the Dornier's dropping bombs, and they look really odd to me. So I would like perhaps. Is it just the fact that the model work isn't great? Yeah, but it sticks out like a sore thumb because mm. obviously it's the first time they've done it. The the cockpit scenes look good. The bit where the hurricane nearly crashes into the house doesn't look bad. But then at the end of the movie, when everything's sort of ramping, there's mm-hmm. some little bits. For me, they just don't kind of look great. I'd probably say that. Um, Pearl Harbor, bad movie with some to switch it with some interesting little scenes. Like yeah. the, the the broader stuff is you know a little bit cringe. The way he's like, you know, shouting from the cockpit and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, a bit crap yeah. in it. Yeah, but there's there's a couple of little bits in there that work quite well. You know, in the set pieces. But yeah, that's a tricky question. But bad bad movie with good war scenes. Then for me, would be Wind Talkers. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, because it well, it's weird because it's not entirely a bad movie. I just think it's... Cage is miscast, <laughs> and the story of the Code Breakers is really interesting. It is because of the director and his pedigree. Like it's just too bombastic at certain times. You know, someone mm. throw a grenade and it's like a napalm bomb's gone off. It's sort of like that. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure that one for me actually. I I agree with that. You know, what I appreciate about that film, like at the beginning, he has like a uh, an M1928 Thompson and then later yes. on he has an M1 Thompson. Yeah, it's nice. There is good things about that movie. Yeah, though. there's good things in it. And, Chris, and I mean, I wouldn't, put, oh, I wouldn't have penned Christian Slater for a grizzled sergeant, but he does a bloody good job. He does, actually. It's yeah. like out of out of what you would expect him to be to Ooh. be cast as. But and, yeah. a, and another good movie with bad war scenes. Ooh, we're on a roll now. And I might, I might split the room again, but I thought Hacksaw Ridge had all the elements of a good film. <sighs> yeah. But then the battle scenes for me were just bit were just done a bit weird, done a bit wrong for me. Like, I don't get Vince Vaughn as a soldier in a movie; he doesn't work for me. So, and then, so then, when he picked up that that uh, the body that had no arms and stuff and used it yeah. as a shield, yeah, it was a weird choice. Hacksaw you know? Ridge is an interesting, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an interesting one to. To, to cover i think in the future because i i i didn't want to watch that for quite a while like i mm. i just thought it was going to be quite ropey i saw it when and, it came out and i i enjoyed it but then i thought the battle sequences were just a bit mm, a bit subpar you know mm, i know there's Some something the, about them and it's not necessarily like the way that the, the like the production values of it but it was just the sort of some of the choices made by the director by mel gibson who, who shot it you know i don't think we need Vaughn using bodies as human shields and things. Yeah, unless that was like something taken from an account. Perhaps, but know. it just 
No. Yeah. Didn't work for yeah. Me. I know what you mean. So next, we have Mark Hayden, who asked uh, via the Facebook. Yes, Fighting on Film does have a Facebook page. If we you do. want to check that out. Um, what book would you like to see made into a film? You know, I probably mentioned it before, but I absolutely adore Warriors for the Working Day. Um, and I think that would make a fantastic film. Yeah, it's just a British tank crew from from Normandy all the way up to the end of the war. It's, it's just a great book um, with great characters. There's scenes where sequences where people go home, there's sequences where people get to reflect on themselves and the war. And there's just some great set pieces in that book that I think would make fantastic um Set is the fantastic set pieces on screen. Um, yeah. not to ruin the book, but there's a section where they are fighting in the Ardennes, um, and they are they're learning about the comet. And while they're learning about the comet, the uh, instructor, one of the inst- other instructors, comes and goes, Look, stop this, lads, you've got to get to Arnhem. Uh, sorry, you've got to get to the Ardennes because they're the Germans have pushed through, so they're brought up to reinforce, and they end up doing quite an important action within the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sequence would be fantastic. I don't want to ruin the books. I think it's one people should listen to. Um, it recently was turned into an audiobook by IWM because it was recently re-released by them. Um, so if you if you can get that, I'd recommend it. Um, one of my favourite books of all time, and I would absolutely adore adore an adaptation. That one would be pretty up there for me. Mm. I agree. I mean, I, I, you mentioned the uh, Imperial War Museum. They also uh, recently uh, published Anthony Quayle's sort of autobiographical yeah. novel, um, Eight Hours from England. And that's that's a look at uh, his time in the SOE um, in Albania. That's yeah, occupied yeah. Albania. And I think that would make a great story. Um, obviously, he never really talked about his wartime experiences. And the book represents like the best record of... It's, it's like generally accepted... Yeah, it's generally accepted to be sort of a, a, a sort of fictionalized autobiography of his, you know, That's it. experience yeah. there. And I think that would make that would make a great a great mm. book. But there's there's countless others. I mean, I mean Arnhem Lift. I was, is I was about to say there's Arnhem Lift. Uh, Fastbender. Fastbender could have played a great Louis Hagen a few years ago. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, same same sort of vein. Uh, Victor Miller. Mm-hmm. Nothing is impossible. That would make a great. A great movie. Um, experiences in Arnhem and in uh, Varsity. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's, God, there's so many. Quartered Safe out here would be good actually as well. That would um, be very popular. George yeah. uh, Donald Donald Fraser. Uh, mm. George McDonald Fraser's um, sort of memoir about Count, you know his yeah. time in Burma, because mm. there's there's some great stuff in there. There's a there's a, um there's a chapter where he describes trekking for miles through. Um, jungle and, and marsh um because it's been tasked with cutting off the retreat of a japanese unit yep. um and they're, they're moving down river on, a, on like a, a, a huge raft or a boat and he sinks the boat with a pit that would be an incredible scene to wow because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's he's literally sent with the pit because he's yeah. the only one that has seen it demonstrated he's never mm-hmm. fired one um but yeah, I I found that account when I was researching for the book, mm. and that whole book is really interesting. And obviously, he wrote the the Flashman books. Yeah, you could make an, you could make a great ensemble movie um, using a book called War Report that was a uh, compilation of all the BBC war correspondents' reports from the Second World well, War. You could you could do like an anthology. 
that would be mm. quite something. You, you, Chester Wilmot, Stanley Maxted. I think it would make yeah. a great, make a great series. It would be an approach that no one's that no, no one's one expects because mm. we've only we've had Ernie Pyle, Ernie Pyle's movie in 1945 made, but that movie wasn't really about Ernie Pyle. It was about the men that Ernie Pyle were witnessing. Yeah. So having a movie purely from a war correspondent's point of view, I think, would be very very interesting. So yeah, they were they were all the questions that we found and if we missed you off we're really sorry rounding out the episode we have team foff which we call we call um our little band of uh, this little band of people that, that run the show and make the show for you um called team foff in internal sort of messages and things um and we have our our silent partner who's my wife uh, she's the executive producer um she helps us out with uh she does the website the domain hosting any technical issues that we have katie's on hand um and i asked her to ask us a question today if your life was made into a movie, what genre would it be and who would play you? Not a clue. <laughs> Not a clue. Oh, my God. I mean, I had a little thought, think about it. I think it might be like maybe a comedy drama. And I'd probably... Someone like um, Ke- Kevin Bishop to play me, like a young Kevin Bishop, the, the comedian. Who would you get to... Who, what, what would you do, Matt? God, I don't even know. Like, I mean, obviously, it would be an epic, but... <laughs> I have no idea what genre it would be. Hopefully, it would be like one of those comedies that isn't super funny or like super a coming tragic. of age type film. Well, maybe I don't. Know. <laughs> That's tricky. That's a hard question. Mm. Yeah, hopefully, so, hopefully it will be a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> so this is my question for Matt, and an answer answer to. What would you have wanted to become a professional in if you hadn't become a historian or a defense editor? A musician. Well, okay. Because I, I play, I play, I play guitar and a couple of other instruments, and I used to used to gig about a little bit, and I always really loved it. Um, oh, but yeah, I think I'd be, yeah, be a musician. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Um, so I, I mean, I'll answer it and find it become a carer slash podcaster. Um, <laughs> I, I really, I mean, it's, you might, you might, might come left field. It might not. Depends how well people know me, but. Um, I would have loved to be a football team's kit man. Just the kit man? Yeah, the guy who likes, nice. you know, washes all the shirts, makes sure, make, puts it all out in the morning. I've, for some reason, that job always had a, I always looked at that job with rose tinted spectacles. So, but yeah, that's, I always wanted to do that's that. That's interesting. That's like a, that is left, left field. That's really yeah. interesting, actually. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, I did think it would be great because it's like you're involved in the team, you get to go up and down the country and, you know, I know it can be quite a long-serving job if you get it right. I guess it just always seems quite yeah, fun. It's important, isn't it? You know, people have got to have yeah. clean kit and sort it out. You know, but yeah, it's a good question, mate. Yeah, I I would love to still be a musician. Well, I am a musician. I still yeah. play, but you know, still do it. Yeah, you have to write some songs about have it. Is a career. Oh my god, no. The Piet Ballard. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> so, Matt, did you have a question to to see us end this? Yeah, on? yeah. So. As it's Halloween in a couple of days as of recording and when this is released, what is your favourite war horror movie? I watched it. I watched this one when I was younger. I think when mm-hmm. it came out, it was like 2002. I quite like The Trench with, that, mm. with Andy Serkis and Jamie Bell. Yeah. Because it's, it's a bit of an everything horror movie, isn't it? There's like a weird monster in it of the mud man. There's like the weird sentient barbed wire 
It's a bit of a head fuck, isn't it? I quite, yeah, really quite enjoyed it. I mean, that traumatised me when I watched that as a kid. I've got to say. Yeah. yeah. That's a good choice. Um, I think mine's The Keep. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Directed by Michael Mann, the same guy who did Heat. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, but it's, it's an interesting one. That or obviously Death Trench, Trench 11. I mean, that is a more recent one. That's yeah. a terrible movie. So if you haven't listened to the Death Trench episode, then, yeah, please go and, and do that. And you we'll... really, you really want a Halloween Foth episode, then check out last year's. I'll retweet it. Yeah, I yeah. think it was like our second or third episode. It was, it was our second episode. Yeah, yeah, it was. So yeah, I mean, that was the AMA. I mean, thank you to everyone who submitted a question. Sorry if they were we fantastic. Sorry if we missed yours off or, or didn't catch it. Thanks to everyone for listening for the last year. I mean, as we echoed at the start of the show, we're amazed where where Truly. we've gone. And where mm-hmm. we're going, we've got some things on the horizon which we're we're looking forward to sharing with you, um, and that they will come up. They'll be made apparent when they when they come up. Um, so yeah, so next week is a, a show and tell episode um, because Matt is on holiday and I'm on holiday, so we're putting out a show and tell that we pre-recorded. A lot of these questions came from uh, Patreon and social media, so if you'd like to uh, get involved and chat with. Uh, ourselves and everyone else that listens to the show uh, find us at at fighting on film on on twitter and we have a facebook page as well you can check out our website fightingonfilm.com and if you really enjoy the show then please do consider supporting us via patreon please do support us if you'd like to and really the best thing you can do is to share the shows with friends that love war movies and i'll round out by saying thank you so much for listening for the last 12 months and We'll see you next time. It's the next 12 months. Yeah, it's the next year. Cheers to that. Cheers, and we'll catch you again next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.